Welcome to the Snapshot Testimony Podcast, episode 68. I'm your host, Allie Domersant. This is a podcast that explores the pivotal moments that shape a life of faith in Christ. Some of my favorite episodes are now on YouTube, so be sure to subscribe to the Snapshot Testimony channel for full-length video interviews and bonus content you won't find anywhere else. In this week's episode, you'll meet Cynthia, born and raised in the middle of the Amazon jungle of South America. She knew her parents felt called there to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, but she didn't fully grasp how much they were willing to sacrifice until the day when war broke out between two neighboring villages and her family found themselves right in the middle of it. It was a day that forever shaped how she viewed the call to follow Jesus. Here's Cynthia's story. So I was born in Venezuela, South America. My parents moved into a remote location. When I was 31 days old, I had my first ride on a missionary airplane. We lived in this place where there were no stores. We were two and a half hours from the closest store, the closest doctor, the closest anything by small mm. aircraft. Okay. Did you have a, an understanding of, of why you were there, what your parents, what their goal was, what their mission was? So I think my earliest memories, I probably didn't, but I was probably six or seven when I started realizing like, we're here to share the gospel. Like these mm -hmm. people need to know God, but it, it was honestly a little bit distant and I didn't, because it was all I knew, I didn't really see that it was a costly choice for my parents. And mm -hmm. I really didn't perceive that there was any danger in living in this kind of an environment. Yeah. And then this day comes, this, <laughs> and you're between nine and 11 years old. We had this war break out on the airstrip in front of our house. What does that kind of conflict look like in the middle of the jungle? So what had happened in this situation was that one village had stolen a woman from another village, which actually that's just how it happened. And then the first village went and stole the woman back. So these villages were friendly and the village who had first stolen the, the woman came over like, oh, everything's okay. And then when they were in the middle of this round village, they just took out their arrows and started shooting. And oh, then yeah. arrows started flying, people started running. And from that war, there were two enemy people that were wounded and they both desperately needed medical attention with wow. being two and a half hours from the closest town. What did your parents do when so, they saw all of this? So we lived a little ways down the runway. So the first thing we saw was people just running by, shooting, yelling. We're like, oh my goodness, what happened? And then someone showed up at the house and said, someone's been shot. We really need attention. So my parents went down to the village and this man had the six and a half foot arrow sticking out of his abdomen. And they're like, oh my goodness, we need to transport them. How are we going to do this? So they got a wheelbarrow. Someone held onto the arrow as they brought him the several hundred feet to the house, laid him on a bench. After they tried to take out the arrows, they realized these, these men need to go to town. And that was, as I said, two and a half hours by airplane, a lot of money. And so they got together. They had one of the patients in each house. And then the, the missionary team got together and they said, how are we going to send him out on one airplane? Is this enemy guy who's now in our house going to get attacked by our village? Like, this is a pretty tricky situation. And I just remember, like, they were gone for a long time meeting with our partners. And when they came home, we said, mom and dad, what, what are you going to do? 
And I remember my dad saying, you know, we, these people don't know Jesus yet. We can't let them be killed. He said, we're going to all just stand on either side of them. So if someone tries to shoot them, they have to shoot us first. Wow. And I was just flabbergasted, even at that age, to realize, wow, like my my parents are actually willing to pay this kind of a cost for these people to know Jesus. This This must be really, really important. So how did the story end? How did you, how did you ultimately, your parents get these men medical help? So they called an emergency medical flight and the airplane came in and they did stand on either side of these people as they loaded them onto the airplane and sent them to town. They were the only people who could speak their language in town. So the doctors decided it would be like just great if they could be together. So they put these two <laughs> enemy guys in side-by-side -side beds. And by the time they came back, they were pretty good friends again. <laughs> the villages weren't, but those two were. Yeah. So how did this particular moment, how, does, how has this shaped your faith? Obviously, it's kind of a snapshot of one moment in time in, in a childhood of memories as a missionary kid. But how did that one shape your faith? So I think that was when I began to really ponder that suffering isn't all bad and that eternity matters. Mm. I think it's so easy at every juncture in our life. As a nine-year-old, it was equally as easy as it is as a 50-year-old woman to get yeah. caught up in the things around us, in the things that feel really important. But I think that's something that I've looked back on in like, wow, like suffering is worth it because this life is just really a short prequel to eternity. And we're going to be there a really long time. And mm. the more people we can take with us, like that's amazing. When we have opportunity to invest in someone else's eternity, like, wow, we should do it. Just jump on it. And I think, wow. yeah, this was one of those moments. And obviously God keeps teaching us throughout our lives. But those change moments where we suddenly see suffering or cost or risk differently. Mm -hmm. Did it feel costly for you to spend the better part of your you know, younger and then young adult years there? Yeah, you know, from Venezuela, we went on to live in Panama, Paraguay, the Philippines, and do other leadership things in mission aviation. And so our whole life we've spent in ministry mm -hmm. here and there. And there have been very costly moments. But most of life, wherever you live, I think is just like it becomes normal. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes when we look at a big change or we look at God's call in our lives, we can think like how I feel this moment about this is how it's always going to be. Yeah. But I think as people, God allows us to change and grow and adapt. So what sounds foreign when we start it often becomes normal. And yet in the course of every life, whether you live here or you live abroad, there are so many opportunities to risk for the gospel, whether it's, you know, putting yourself out there for your neighbor, whether it's volunteering to teach a Sunday school class, whether it's being a mentor, whether it's living overseas you know, we all have those chances mm -hmm. to choose to invest in what God's doing. And it often feels costly at the moment, but it's worth it.
Did you get to see the fruit of your parents' um, sacrifice and of their work as missionaries? Did you did you get to see that? Yes, we did. You know, um, they weren't the only people who worked there. Other people came and left. My parents ended up going to town. They planted a church. But in that little village, um, there is a thriving church now. A lot of people from that little place are going to heaven because people like my parents gave their lives there or parts of their lives. What would you say to somebody who doesn't live with that sense, maybe who's known Christ, been in church for a while, but doesn't have that sense of mission or purpose and life feels very ordinary, mundane, the gospel, you know, it's a something that's they understand and maybe accepted and believed, but man, what you're describing sounds like a world away from what they're living. You know, I think for each one of us, what God is doing starts right now. And I think if you're in a church and you're, you're involved, or if you're not in a church, like, I think the first thing is, is asking God to show you like, what, what are you doing? And when we see what God's doing, we can join it. And I think we all have a lot of times that we feel like, oh, maybe I should do this or that. And sometimes we think it's too small, but Mm. life is built on small moments, you know, before God's going to send you across the world, he's going to send you to your neighbor. He's going to call you to be involved in your church. He's going to ask you to be in his word daily. He's going to challenge you to pray for the people around you, to pray for your family. And I think wherever we are, there's a next step. And most of us sort of know what it is because the spirit of God lives in us. Yeah, you're right. And I think sometimes there's that resistance of like, okay, I, maybe we want the big thing instead of the small thing. We want the big adventure because getting up and reading your Bible every day feels so boring. We'd rather have mm-hmm. something, you know, yeah. <laughs> missing the fact that, no, that is the next step that leads to another step and another step. I love that. Snapshot Testimony is a Moody Radio podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review or comment. Your feedback really helps us reach more listeners. Plus, I just like hearing from you. I'm your host, Allie Domerson, and together we're sharing the moments that shape a life of faith in Christ.